0: Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Director of Performance Nutrition and Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach at the New York Giants, Pratik Patel. you the of the Pacing Performance Podcast, so absolutely delighted today to bring Pratik Patel who is Director of Performance Nutrition and Assistant SNC Coach at the New York Giants. So a job title or mixture of two job titles that I've never heard before, I've never heard of that mix, certainly in the UK and Europe it uh, doesn't seem to be very prevalent but in the States it seems to be getting uh, more and more popular. So in this episode we discuss the evolution of that role we discuss um, some sports dietitian uh, the sports dietitian function in a high performance environment uh, we discuss the similarities between SNC and nutrition and how they can work together um, hence his his role but we also discuss some really interesting stuff around uh, veganism and vegetarianism and something that's creeping its way into elite sport given the the um, mass media and, and fit and fitness industry um, influences on players so we discuss a lot around that and how uh, people who are in that situation with players can really ensure that they, the players are getting the right stuff um, at the right time so really interesting chat with pratik uh, and I'm sure you'll uh, I'm sure you'll really enjoy it so just before we do get into this episode of the podcast, I want to say a big thanks to Vald Performance, makers of the Nordboard, Groin Bar Human Track and now four stacks So the big news coming out of Valve Performance is that acquisition of four stacks and all the staff, the fantastic staff that come along with that acquisition. So a really exciting development in terms of what Valve Performance can offer in terms of uh, testing solutions. So may, you've maybe heard of the Nord board, you've maybe heard of the groin bar, um, but if you are interested in a affordable uh, motion capture device make sure you have a little look at human track and also there's a post recently on linkedin from dr daniel cohen who was the uh, one of the founders of four stacks and explains why they decided to partner with val performance moving forwards so i definitely encourage you to check that out and if you are interested in any of the val performance products head over to valperformance.com or for them on twitter at val performance so big thanks to them guys for sponsoring this episode today also sponsoring the pasty performance podcast today is first beat who are the leading provider in physiological analytics for sports so just give you a bit of background on first beat, So they were founded in finland in 2002 and their first beat play monitoring platform transforms heartbeat data into personalized information on training loads intensity fitness testing uh, performance readiness stress recovery sleep quality etc all in one place so first we currently have 800 teams worldwide who are using their system and can include Golden State Warriors, the reigning NBA champions, English Premiership rugby champion Saracens and Manchester City as their clients. So in terms of the system, FirstBee offers real-time monitoring of metrics like Trimp to give you the physiological information to optimize performance, reduce injuries, fast track player development, etc. And one real differentiator of Firstbeat Sports is their heart rate variability functionality to be able to uh, provide real insights and guidance on the recovery process. So if you were looking to get a little more information about Firstbeat Sports, you can head over to their website, which is firstbeat.com, or follow them on Twitter at firstbeatinfo. So without further ado, over to the episode with Pratik Patel. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So this evening, I'm delighted to welcome the Director of Performance Nutrition and Assistant SNC Coach at the New York Giants, Prasik Patel. So, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. Thank you for uh, giving me time. No doubt busy schedule after your first game. So, just before we get into a little bit about your role, because from my point of view, it's pretty unique, but. From yours, I guess, in over there it's a little bit different, and there's there's a little bit more of that type of thing. But just before we do get into that, just want to give us a bit of a background on how you've got to where you've got and how you ended up at the Giants.
1: Yeah, I I studied dietetics in my undergraduate uh, curriculum at Kansas State University. And from there, did my supervised practical internship at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. And that's when I started to get a little bit of experience working with athletes in a more non-traditional, uh, non-hospital type setting and really felt that that's the direction that I wanted to go in my career is pairing nutrition and performance uh, with athletes of some sort. And from there, I had the opportunity to intern with the dietitian who was working with the Houston Texans. And Houston Astros and then that got me back to Kansas where I um, did my master's in kinesiology at Kansas State and prior to that got a little bit of interim work with the sports dietitian that was working with the University of Kansas to get an idea of what does a sports dietitian do who works full-time at the university level and so a lot of uh, good experiences a lot of good advice telling me to continue on with education because at that time a lot of these roles weren't very prevalent at the collegiate setting or the professional setting stateside. So did my two years at uh, Kansas state, a little bit of teaching, a little bit of um, group education classes, worked with the men's basketball team for a couple years. And then once, you know, I passed my um, master's thesis in that summer of 2012, it was a good summer for the field where a lot of colleges were looking to hire sports dietitians full time. So we'll applied to a few different programs and got matched up and luckily got a job at Michigan State University. So I was there for about three years before heading to Oregon in 2014. So I spent three years as director of sports nutrition at Oregon and, you know, enjoyed my time there very much. I had the opportunity to work with uh, some of the people you've had on your podcast and Andrew Murray, Hugh Fulliger, learned a good deal and was looking to make a splash at the professional level with the right opportunity so uh, the beginning of last year, I found out that the Giants were looking for a sports dietitian, but also someone who had a background in exercise physiology and strength and conditioning, and thought that that was, you know, the perfect opportunity to put together the two things that I love most about working with sport, and you know, been here ever since. Excellent.
0: So this is, this is completely off topic and definitely something we weren't planning on chatting about, but I think it'd be really interesting given the roles and the you've mentioned a couple of people along the way. I can't remember the teams that you you mentioned but you knew people in them when you're in the university setting how important has your network been to allow you to get the job at oregon and then move into this job at the giants has is it, is it been solely kind of see the see the see the um job advert apply and get the job or has network played a a big hand a, a big role in that
1: i think the network played more of a role with me coming to the giants than my previous jobs. And I think more of that comes is because, uh, getting experience in the field, you know, you work with, um, more experienced sports dietitians, but if you don't get a chance to work with them in an extended capacity, then it's hard for them to continue to mentor them and they can't really vouch for your skill set. So those early opportunities I had as an intern were more of, um, you know, just getting an idea of what that role was like. So coming up in the field, I didn't have a lot of mentors or people that you know would say this person's good let me reach out to somebody at that school or that place where there's opportunities available so i kind of made my own way at the beginning but you know having a chance to work with a lot of different people at the larger universities moving forward kind of opened up my network so you know you hear that adage that it's not necessarily what you know who you know and it does hold true quite a bit because people will want to hire somebody that they're comfortable with who someone can vouch for instead of somebody you know, taking a chance on somebody that doesn't have somebody to fall back on.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. Um, so let, let's move on a little bit to just the, the, the current state of the environment over there. And I'm, I'm definitely, we'll definitely keep it over that side of the pond because I'm not really in touch with it definitely on this side. Um, so the state of sports nutrition over there in pro sport, just want to give us a bit of an overview of – of the current state of the market?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, right now in the NFL, you have 20 full-time dietitians that are working with teams. And then every other team, um, based on the collective bargaining agreement that was agreed upon by the Players Association and the owners, each team has is supposed to give their players access to at least a consultant nutritionist. So whether it's a dietitian or somebody that has some sort of licensure, or background in nutrition. Um, back in 2004, I think the first professional dietitian was with uh, the Patriots. So since then, it's kind of grown quite a bit. You know, we've seen a lot of great growth in the field. Now moving on to baseball, you know, the MLB, the NBA, the NHL, there are not as many full-time. There are some, but they are not as many as what you see in the NFL. Um, you definitely see a lot more at the... The amateur level, the collegiate level, where most of the major Division I colleges have, you know, not one, but sometimes two or three full-time sports dietitians. And a lot of them are having a, a very heavy role with football because that's, you know, the largest sport in America right now. And it is the one that kind of drives the money, so to speak.
0: Just explain to me, just so we're getting everyone's on the same page. What's the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist?
1: So a dietitian goes through um, a specific curriculum in an undergrad to be able to enter into an internship. And this internship has a set number of supervised practical hours where you learn everything from clinical nutrition, community, food service. You sit for a an entrance exam and you pass it and you become credentialed as a registered dietitian, um, the registered dietitian nutritionist. Now the term nutritionist is kind of very... Loosely used as a term where you can take certain courses online and pass a class and then you can call yourself a nutritionist. So each state in the U S has their own specific laws and licensures governing, you know, who can practice medical nutrition therapy and then who can't You know. So it's kind of split with what you what you, what you can say you are as a professional.
0: Yeah. Okay. I understand. So in, in terms of your role, which is, Split between the nutrition side and the S and C side. How does that work? I just want to give us a bit of a an overview of kind of. I know you played on Sunday, and it's Tuesday today. What will your week look like building up to next Monday's game? In that, in terms of that split.
1: So our week in season it follows a pretty traditional um, professional season, which is a little bit different than what most college football teams are doing. So we play on Sunday. Monday, we will have the team in. So it's just kind of we put them through a lift. Uh, they'll review some film, kind of go over what, what happened in the game, make some corrections, adjustments. They're not in the building for very long, but it's good to make sure that they come back in, we get them moving out and about. Uh, and then Tuesday, which is today, is a player off day. You know They'll get the opportunity to you know just go through some recovery stuff. They want to do foam roll, massage, normal tech, that kind of deal. Uh, we'll talk to them, kind of gauge their soreness level, their energy level, what's going on with them. And then, you know, we get into Wednesday and Thursday. Those will be full practice days. So, you know, full two-hour practices. We'll also lift the guys Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, Friday will be another practice day, but not as long in duration. And Saturday will be more of a general we'll walkthrough, getting the guys mentally prepped for the game. And then if it's an away game, we'll fly out Saturday, get to our hotel, uh, if it's home game, you know, they'll be at the team hotel the night before and then Sunday on a normal game week, that's when we'll play. So
0: where, so in terms of your time, what on the on the nutrition dietitian hat that you've got on, what what role does that play throughout the week? How much time are you dedicating to that compared to the S and C side?
1: Um Right now, you know, in the nutrition side, just making sure that everything's covered in terms of all of the meals that we provide the players in our facility. So, working with our food service uh, operation and our head chef. So, you know, we try to structure it based on what the guys are going to be doing physically in practice. So, our, our heavier training days are going to be Wednesday and Thursday. So that's when we try to put as many of the foods that we know that they're going to eat that they like, but also that they need. So it's very high in carbohydrates. Um, antioxidant type foods, the you know, foods that they're going to want to come into the cafeteria to eat. Um, you know, that's just the general view. Getting everything ready for game day, so making sure everything's set at our hotels, whether it's home and away. Talking to our charters if we are traveling, making sure that the meals are set appropriately. Getting in contact with the stadium for our post game food, making sure that's ready and appropriate. And then, you know, just so making my rounds and trying to get a little bit of FaceTime with each one of the players you know because weekly we don't do a tremendous amount of assessments they will get weighed in once a week and it is an official weigh so we just make sure that the guys are within the range that we feel that they would perform best at and if there are any discrepancies whether you know a person jumped in and started taking a lot more reps or so the weather is super hot and they're, they're losing a little bit excess weight from fluid loss in terms, and also from energy expenditure You know, getting in their ear and making sure that yeah, you need to make sure you eat X, Y, and Z at breakfast and lunch, and you do this, you know, before you leave the facility, and do this before you leave and and go to sleep at nighttime. And same thing on the flip side, if we have players that uh, are a little bit heavier, they're over their target weight, just getting in their ear and making sure that they're doing what they need to be doing to get back down to where they should be.
0: Mm -hmm. So obviously, a lot of planning going on, and Mm -hmm. when not planning for the nutrition side, you've got your assistant SNC hat on when the guys are lifting in the gym. So is that is that just assisting your head SNC with whatever needs to be done?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's four of us in total. You know, we have our head strength and conditioning coach. He programs all the workouts, uh, everything, you know, we try to individualize it as much as possible. And we'll go through each one of the lifts um, well in advance just to make sure we're all on the same page because you know in a perfect world we would have the guys come in at the same time or the time we wanted them to. You know, get them through the lift and they would all pay attention. But, you know, this is the real world. We have to be ready for a guy showing up too early or showing up too late or not showing up at the right time or coming 30 minutes prior to the scheduled lift time. So, you know, we'll be assigned uh, either a position group to work with, you know, knowing what their workout entails, because within that position group, you've got maybe different variations for somebody that has a specific history of an injury or they just picked up one for the game. So we have to alter that. Yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, going through the lift, making sure you know we're taking care of all their needs, coaching them up, and then you know, getting in there, making sure that they're getting their proper recovery items, getting ready for heading into meetings, and then that takes them out on the field. Um, you know, we'll be all of us will be out on the field helping the medical staff with you know hydrating the guys, making sure they're getting you know carbohydrates in appropriately, taking care of the ones that have you know higher sweat rates, higher energy needs, and then. Uh, after practice, on um, those days, we'll finish off the lift with any of the players that didn't elect to choose to lift before early in the morning.
0: Excellent. So, how's just going back to the? I'll just flip in and out of this SNC hat and dietitian hat. But back to the dietitian hat. How's that? How's that side of thing? Things evolved over even in the the time that you've been um, involved in the industry, in, in terms of what's expected of. Of you as a dietitian and i guess more so on the education of everyone else of not only what your kind of industry expects but what coaches expect and probably more importantly what players expect how's that changed over time
1: yeah it's, it's changed over time for the for the better especially for us in the field you know years ago you would only have either a trainer on staff or maybe one strength coach and they had to take care of everything you know, that includes all the nutrition, all the meal planning, you know, the supplements, the education, and that's, that's a lot to put on a person's plate who's already doing a pretty extensive full-time job. So as more information has come out, more um, research has been published, and people have more access to um, what sports nutrition can do to improve health and performance of athletes, you know, not only individually, but collectively as a team. You know, more teams are starting to get the know of, you know, we should invest in, having somebody on staff who can take care of all of these different responsibilities. And, you know, when I first started in the field, it was, you know, usually you meet with a dietitian to go over meal planning or weight gain, weight loss, talk about supplements. And that was usually the extent of it, but it's kind of snowballed in a good way to where now you're overseeing an entire department that takes care of pretty much everything that a team or a player would eat and drink for an entire year, you know, using the most up-to-date research. Collaborating with all of the other sports specialties in that high performance environment, so you're communicating with SNC like daily, not daily, just in, on an hour-to-hour basis. And same thing with medical, because you know every athlete isn't going to go through a season or a career completely unscathed, and something's going to happen. And the goal of you know what we try to do for them is to make sure we get them on the field as healthy as possible, as quickly as possible. So anything we can do. There is a nutrition component that can help with recovery, help with return to play. You know, we want to make sure that happens immediately. So, keeping in contact with all these different specialties on a day-to-day basis is important. And as time has gone on, you get a lot more, lot actually, a lot less pushback from you know, medical side or a conditioning side that had been well established, who doesn't feel threatened by somebody else who's entered into the equation, who sees a dietitian or the person in charge of nutrition as. Um, not necessarily somebody trying to infringe upon what they're doing or stepping on their toes, but somebody who can really help all around. You know, help the medical side, help the strength conditioning side. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess that helps with your second hat on, with your S and C hat on, that you can, you know, what these guys want and need because you're one yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's easy to see. You know, when I first started my career, it was tough trying to find time to meet with athletes to see what the team was doing because you know if you're a contract dietitian and you have other responsibilities, you're not going to be around the team at all times. So you don't necessarily see what happens in a lift. You don't necessarily see what happens out on the practice field or on game days. Or you don't see, you know, them during the meal times. When you get a chance to get more involved with what they're doing, you get an idea of, all right, this is exactly what's happening in a lift. This is exactly what's happening on the practice field or in game day. this is exactly what's happening when the guys go to the meal room to eat. So the more you can become visible and the more they see you and get a comfort level with you, the more they're going to open up, be receptive to your suggestions, to changes, instead of, well, so-and-so's only here one day a week. Why why are they even here? They don't even talk to me or I don't see any benefit from them being around. And then that kind of gets in to the ear of the other sports specialties where they have to pick up the slack and they become frustrated too.
0: So was that that the, the main reason for getting someone with this dual role that they're just around more rather than getting a consultant in that's in one day a week, two days a week or whatever it may be?
1: Yeah. So so the staff members who have had the opportunity to work with dietitians who've been around full time, you know, especially one that has a really good sports background and the experience, you know, they've been able to see the benefit of what this person can bring to the table. And, you know, for the longest time there's this big big misconception about, you know, what the offseason is like in the NFL. Like, oh well, you know, players aren't around all the time, you only have, you know, your sixteen game schedule plus playoffs if you make it and so on. But you know, what exactly is going on in the building from you know January, February until the players return for off season training, which happens at the end of April. So a lot of teams were hesitant to say, why would we hire somebody full time when You know, the players aren't around and you have this big gap before they return when actually there's, there's, there's always something to do. I'll tell you that there's tons of planning, tons of, um, research that needs to go in. Players are still around the building, whether they're getting rehab, recovering from an injury required to stay, or they live in the area and they don't want to go to a different part of the country to do their off season training. So there's always going to be some type, some type of nutrition work to do, whether the players are around or not.
0: So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Pratik. I hope you enjoyed part one. So in part two, we discuss more around vegetarianism and veganism, and if you are a practitioner coming up against them challenges with players who are deciding to make that choice, um, hopefully there's some real solid recommendations from Pratik that can uh, enable you to do the right thing for your athletes um, who have made them decisions. So just before we do get into part two, I want to say a big thanks to Fatigue Science for sponsoring this episode today. So Fatigue Science have exclusive access of the SAFT model, which is an algorithm developed by the U.S. Army. And if you listen to my episode with Ian Dunican, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So the SAFT model analyzes a number of different factors in your sleep history to predict your fatigue for the day ahead. So the alertness score indicates fatigue predicted effects on your reaction time, your lapse index, your mental output, all all things that are obviously essential for the performance that you're going to undertake that day. So as you can tell, it is much more than a sleep tracking device. However, it is a sleep tracking device. But not only does it track sleep, um, it considers the time you went to sleep, how well you slept, how much sleep debt you have, and even your local sunrise and sunset times. So a really impressive bit of kit is the ReadyBand from Fatigue Science. So if you are interested in getting to know a little bit more about Fatigue Science, head over to their website, uh, fatiguescience.com also follow them on twitter at fatigue science so over to part two with i hope you enjoy so one thing we we had a few ideas about and in terms of what we could have a little chat about and one thing that really stood out to me that you mentioned was the similarities and parallels between snc and nutrition with coaching cues to enable the teaching education of of players and coaches what did you mean by that and could you elaborate on maybe and give us a few examples of of how that translates to what goes on day to day and how you work
1: yeah you know you know from an snc perspective a lot of strength coaches will obviously want to make sure that their players when they're in the weight room it's all about movement efficiency and movement quality you know it doesn't matter how strong you are if you can't move the appropriate rate properly or at the appropriate speed then it, it just doesn't matter. You know, strength isn't the end all be all being resilient, being able to move, you know, as efficiently as possible is. And that's kind of what, you know, I think about in the nutrition world is, you know, we want to make sure that our players have, you know, the best quality food and fluid at the right time, just making sure that they have the proper access to it. And so it's not just, well, we spend a lot of money on X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't pertain to half the team because they either like it or don't like it or, You know, we haven't individualized it very much for them. Um, But also in the same way that, you know, coaches, whenever they're around their players, they obviously want to make sure that they're doing movements correctly, they're doing something correctly. And if something's done incorrectly, if that's done repeatedly over time, so say you take somebody who has um, an improper back squat, we have a lot of knee valgus, you know, some people will say, well, if you do it, improperly a few times and that's okay but that gets ingrained in the player's head where they say well this is the way i've always done it. this is way i've always done it i don't want to change and nutrition kind of falls along that same pathway where if they haven't been exposed to it and no one's trying to correct them then you know bad habits done repeatedly over time can wreak havoc and it's not you know going to happen the next day or the third day or a week it, something can happen and all it can just come together in a snowball effect that's why You know, we want to make sure we're constantly coaching them up on not just in the weight room, but with a lot of the other things that they experience, you know, in the dining halls with their habits, with their recovery habits and sleep, hydration, what they do when they're outside of the building, you know, we can control a good amount when they're with us. It's, you know, the times that they leave for the rest of the day that I worry about because they are grown men, you know, they are on their own time, they have money. It's it's the wide open world for them, especially living here in New York and New Jersey. You you have one of the biggest cities in the world and anything's really at their fingertips. So what I try to do with working with players is having a little bit of a coaching mentality with, you know, recommendations, suggestions, the way you approach certain players, because you can't coach every player the same way, the same way you can't provide recommendations nutritionally to every player. You got to kind of see where they're at, see their knowledge level, you know, understand how can I get through to this player?
0: and i guess that's where the value of having someone full time in the building and someone that knows and is is in touch with the players but how what kind of recommendations are you are you giving and how are you delivering that how are you delivering that sort of message to them because i'm guessing that's where the that's where the real value is to actually get them to take it on board and when you go into i've been into football clubs soccer clubs over here and there's just met like little messages everywhere which kind of it's not it's not a classroom you're not going to get a bunch of adults into a class a bunch of football players into a classroom and and get them engaged for an hour to give them a lecture like that may work for some but maybe not for others but there's these kind of subliminal messages around the dining hall and you know just to give them constant um Reaffirming messages what they should be doing and what they what well, what they should be doing not what they shouldn't be doing, but how do you go about it with your players in terms of that education side?
1: Uh, just trying to provide, like you said, the small messages whether it's positioning you know certain items, their you know pre-training items, post-training items, snacks, this and that, exactly where they're going to be, and having everything labeled appropriately, and then making sure that they're aware of what it is and why it's beneficial for them. Um, also prioritizing. You know, who needs a little bit more attention as opposed to you have vets that have been in the NFL for 6, 7, 10, 14 years who are incredibly healthy. They don't need a lot of supervision. They don't need a lot of daily affirmations and constant reminders. Um, obviously, that doesn't mean that they don't get any attention. But making sure, you know, prioritizing players, using as much of the data that we get. So whether it's from body composition assessments, hydration assessments, you know, sweat testing assessments, wanes and you know, making sure that those that need a little bit more work or a little bit more help, you know, I find the time to make it a priority to go talk to them and explain to them whether it's, you know, when they're around the weight room, whether it's um, not on the field because practice time is practice time only, but in the locker room, down by the um, our dining room in food service, you know, putting up different labels of everything that we have uh, available in our kitchen and in our dining hall you know they get, they get bogged down with so much information on a day-to-day basis like you said putting them into a classroom for an hour they're going to be non-compliant they're going to be zoned out within 2 minutes so there are times during the year where I will get maybe 2 minutes 5 minutes to address the team and that's if there is something important that we you know as a collective unit need to make sure that the team knows or if there's something that they're not doing and we can talk to you know, our operations people, our head coach, to say, you know, this is an idea we had, you know, at the beginning of a team meeting, we're going to take one minute, two minutes to address it. And generally, that's when you're going to get a lot of their attention. They get a lot of different items from a lot of different areas in our building, whether it's community service, uh, production, PR, and media, operations that get printed out and put at their lockers. You know, you hear, I hear it a lot when I'm in the locker room, oh, another piece of paper, another piece of paper. So that's definitely not. The area that i'm trying to contribute to because then it's just going to annoy them so a lot of it is just staging things around the facility you know small labels posters that were within you know their visual uh, field but then also prioritizing making time for these guys and uh getting in their ear on a day-to-day basis
0: yeah so one thing that I wanted to chat to you about that I think is is really interesting and that's the that's the influence of the the kind of the, the fitness industry. And it's something that I've spoke to a couple of people about, not necessarily nutrition guys or dietitians, but just SNC coaches, performance guys, and coming across a lot of athletes, not a lot of athletes, but more than probably five years ago, who have been influenced by uh the fitness industry with Becoming vegetarians and, and vegans, and having the the performance staff and the nutrition staff uh, obviously working the best to get what they want, but uh, as well as obviously pleasing the players with these um, who've decided to make these choices, is this something that you're coming up against? Not against, but <laughs> makes it sound like a really bad thing. But is this something that is this something that you're experiencing over there? And if it is how are you navigating it?
1: Yeah, it it is becoming a little bit more prevalent. Uh, Last year, you know, with the release of, you know, different documentaries looking at, you know, should everybody be vegan? Is this the healthier lifestyle? You know, is meat bad all that stuff, dairy bad? You know, you get a lot of sensationalism and players are more willing to buy into that instead of listening to the experts that they have on site and the facility, who you know, worked in sport for years. But, that is something that is becoming prevalent with, you know, should they go vegan? Should they go vegetarian? Should they follow a ketogenic diet? Should they intermittent fast? You know, because once, once the public or once news outlets get wind of this, they want to print it and the players are more susceptible to reading things that are posted in the media. Uh, cause it's, it's easily accessible for them. Now, you know, I think it's always great that players take an interest in, you know, what they should be eating, making sure the feeling their the body's right. Although they shouldn't necessarily have to go to extremes to feel like they need to eat better to feel better. I know, you know there have been a lot of cases in the NBA, some in the NFL, where you have players that might not necessarily have the best eating habits. They eat a lot of junk food, a lot of candy, sugar, and they completely go vegan and they start increasing their intake of a lot of plant-based foods. Um, and then they feel completely better. You know, they, they feel like they have more energy. You know, They're sleeping better practices and games are going a lot better. They feel like you know their chronic inflammation levels are down, which is true. When you start cutting out a lot of junk and you start eating a lot more plant-based foods, that's what's going to happen. But it's not the cause of dairy or eating meat. It's they were eating like crap before, now they're not. (laughs) And 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 that's that's those are the things we have to try to massage and kind of, you know, take it with them with a grain of salt when they first come back. Um we did have a few guys try to go vegan last year and then they said they're fifty percent vegan and then I see them at breakfast eating eggs and bacon and I'm like, Okay, you're not a vegan anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I think from my point, I think you know, there are a lot of benefits to eating a lot more plant based foods and you know, we try to provide as many as we possibly can throughout the day. You know, we we're all are gonna have a small handful of players that are very strict with what they do. We actually just um signed went on to our roster who is completely vegan and says he feels totally better. And, you know, with that, it's just making sure that they're eating enough protein because sometimes it can be difficult getting enough protein from plant-based sources when you eliminate meat completely, Making sure they're getting enough iron, calcium, vitamin D, vitamin B12. So there are ways to do it. Um, it's just being very mindful. We'll work with our food service staff and we'll actually pre-portion meals for any player that has um, a specific, you know, food allergy or a way of life or a way of eating that way we just take care of everything that they need but yeah like you mentioned before it is becoming more of the norm we'll have a lot of players that in the off season they'll want to do a ketogenic diet because you know they hear about the fat loss and losing a lot of weight you know it becomes pretty popular with our linemen our heavier guys that are you know well over 300 pounds which for uh, conversion sake is around you know and 30 to 150 kilos, which is pretty large. But the problem is, you know, the the science isn't overwhelmingly positive in terms of high-intensity team sports for athletes going keto. And I've had a lot of cases where, talking to players that have done it in the off-season, you know, they come back to us, we're going through just normal practices where they're running, and they're running a lot, and they're engaged in a lot of intense movements, whether you know, you're know you a lineman, you're engaged with another 300-pounder, and you're straining for you know, five, six seconds, you get a short break, and then you go again. I've had players just taking a knee in the middle of the field, just exhausted. And I ask them, hey, what's going on? What'd you eat for breakfast? Well, I had an avocado, I had bacon, and I had some eggs. I'm like, when's the last time you had carbs? I don't know, a few days ago. I'm like, this is the reason why you're gassed out, and you're going to pass out.
0: So in terms of someone that is dealing with, um, like a, a player who's decided to go vegan. What advice would you give them in terms of the protein sources? Is there any recommendations that you would you would
1: give? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can get some really good protein from legumes, lentils, beans, chickpeas. Um, a little bit from nuts and seeds, but not to the extent that you know you have two hundred to three hundred pound men. Um, they need to get enough protein from that they can do a lot of uh, plant-based protein powders which has become incredibly popular you know over the past few years you have a lot of really good companies coming out with third-party tested protein powders now they're they don't mix very well and they're very chalky but you know there are ways to kind of make it taste a little bit better so that's where they can get some of the protein sources and along with that is you know they're they're going to need to make sure that they're taking in enough iron as well because the easiest way to get iron is to eat meat and if they're excluding that then you know they're missing out on a big chunk. But again, eating a lot of you know leafy green vegetables, nuts and seeds, things are fortified with iron. Um, and again, the black beans, beans, lentils—it's probably one of their best options along with uh, tofu and some soybeans too.
0: Cool. Um... Intermittent fasting is something that you you mentioned and that's, I suppose, I heard a lot about that um, over the last couple of years. Is that something that you're coming across, again, coming up against with the guys that you're dealing with and having to work around it?
1: Not regularly. Some players will ask about it and then, you know, you educate them on this is, you know, what it is where you fast for the majority of the day, maybe... Know, 16 hours or 18 hours, and then you get a six hour, eight hour window to eat. And then that's when you eat. But the problem is the amount of calories that they would need to sustain their activity, whether it's a two hour practice plus another, you know, 30, 45 minutes for a lift, you know, three to four times a week is just not enough. So these players need anywhere from 4,000 to 6,000 calories regularly. And if they're trying to fit that into a six hour window, they're not going to be able to do that. And I guess that's one of the reasons why intermittent fasting has become popular along with, um, the ketogenic diets is at the end of the day, a lot of the times they are hypocaloric diets. So people do see success because they're just not eating as many calories as they're expending. And for an athlete, you know, that's the last thing you really want to think about. You you really want to fuel based on what your needs are, what your energy levels are and activity levels are instead of, well, I just want to lose weight and lose fat.
0: Cool. And, and we can't have a, a chat and a podcast episode around nutrition without discussing supplements <laughs> and it was something that it was something that we had um at professor graham close at the ukca conference a couple of months ago discussing uh discussing supplements and basically um calling out a lot of quite a few companies obviously not by name but saying that um there was there was many out there that were that were claiming to be tested but weren't tested. Um, is this is is the the whole supplement industry causing issues in in pro sport over there in terms of um, you just not being able to control what the guys are are getting and not getting
1: from supplements? Yeah, it, it's it's gotten better, I think, over the past couple of years because the NFL has been very vocal and supportive of the NSF certification. So there's a lot of support and uh, confidence in recommending those supplements to players. Um, it is one of the more extensive third-party um, testing operations out there. Uh, but the thing is, we can educate our players you know, from sunup to sundown to say, hey, we're not going to recommend you take anything unless it's, it's NSF certified. And there's a great app that they have, and I try to tell as many of the guys to download it. But the issue is a lot of these players want something... ASAP. So if they drive to their local grocery store supermarket that sells supplements or a GNC or a vitamin shop and they walk up and down the aisles and don't find anything that's third-party tested by Informed Choice or I think uh, over in the UK you guys are Informed Sport or yeah. NSF, then you know they're just going to grab the first shiny tub of pre-workout that they think looks really cool that has a great name and then they're going to bring it in and then I'm going to yell at them for it. They're like, what are you doing? And and the the bad thing is, I think even this past offseason, there have been a handful of high profile NFL athletes that have tested positive for a particular banned substance, whether they were knowingly taking something or not, or taking something that they had taken for a long time that wasn't third party tested by NSF or another one of the groups that just so happened to have a banned substance in it. You know, it just depends on where these these supplements are getting manufactured and bottled and processed. How many different uh, companies are sharing the same space? Maybe one company is clean. They do everything the right way, but then another company using the same conveyor belt and whatnot makes pro hormones or T boosters or things of that nature. So that, you know, these are the things that players don't think about, but these are the things that, you know, myself and other people in the field are thinking about constantly. Um, But I think a lot of players become a little bit more savvy Especially now that there are a lot more supplements that are NSF certified. So, you know, if a player says, I want uh, protein powder, you know, I'm like, I give them a list of, you have dozens of choices, or they want a multivitamin or a vitamin D or fish oil, you know, or, you know, something a little bit more specific, that now that they are able to buy something that is NSF certified. But the tough thing is getting it in their hands right on the spot when they can just go to the store and buy something.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah very difficult but it's yeah it makes me laugh that the the shiny tub the shiny tub with fluorescent green writing always always gets the guys interested Mm
1: -hmm. and this is Um, what they'll do somebody will bring it in you know they'll use it before practice or before lift and then whoever their locker mates next to them on the left and the right is looking at them like hey do you have any pre-workout do you have any caffeine do you have any whatever and the guy's like oh yeah I do and then it just gets passed around and yeah.
0: So <laughs> and they'll pass around stories of how how mad it makes them feel. And uh, I was I was I heard a story recently about one called Megatonic. How good <laughs> is that? Soon as soon as someone's got Megatonic, everyone's on it. Just that name ropes all the lads in. But yeah, I um, I promised I'd only I'd I'd keep you uh, before the before the hour, so I'm just gonna do a little roundup and just ask you to. Um, just give us your, are you a social media guy? Are you on Twitter or Instagram? I am, I
1: am. Uh, I am on Twitter. I think my handle is at Pratik7Patel. Instagram guy? Just Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram, but I don't you know, post very much stuff. You know, I'm go only on it really just to follow our players and see what's going on in their lives. I'm not as savvy as they are with social media, <laughs> but hopefully, okay. maybe one day. <laughs> yeah nice
0: so if anyone wants to reach out where's the best place to get you yeah perfect well good luck um, in Dallas next week thank and, you and um, I guess this podcast will have gone out by then so hopefully you're in a, a good mood uh, having got the win <laughs> but um, yeah thank you very much for giving me time really appreciate it and uh, giving you your unique perspective on, on things that are going on with the Giants so thanks very much you're welcome thanks mate see you later Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast, massive thanks to Pratik for giving up his time in a very busy schedule at the start of the season uh, to come on the podcast and give his insights into his very unique position at the New York Giants. So also big thanks to the three sponsors of the podcast today in Val Performance, in First Beat Sports and Fatigue Science. So, got some really good guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, some UK-based guys who were on for a part two. I'm really excited to bring you them. So make sure you press subscribe on your chosen podcast player, and I will speak to you next week.